our books to the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 1. And uh, I will be reading from verse 1 uh, through verse 5 this morning. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That is the word of the Lord. Amen. So there are a lot of great openings to books. But I, I have a hard time finding a better opening to a book than what we find in the Gospel of John. In fact, the opening, the introduction, the prologue, uh, it actually takes up the first 18 uh, verses of the book. It's, it's a lengthy one, but it's so doctrinally sound, and it's so wonderful because it's not like the other Gospels and how they start. This prologue this introduction takes us way back and it teaches us something about Christ it teaches us something that's essential for us to believe in that Christ was not only a man but he was God so in this introduction we come to understand the deity of Christ and John's intentions in this book is to prove that Jesus was the son of God and not only that, but that he was the savior of God's people. In other words, what John is doing with this gospel is that he is sharing the gospel with us. It's out of the four gospels, it's my favorite. John's my favorite author in the, in the Bible. Um, I tend to gravitate to his writings and also I tend to really focus on a lot of passages within his books or the books that he writes. I say his, but under the power of the Holy Spirit, by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, he wrote these things. And so I'm very excited about going into the Gospel of John, and I think it's going to bless our church, especially in the perspective here given by John of Christ. In, in the book of Mark, we went through that several years ago, but Mark was a man of action, and we saw a lot of different things. Jesus went here. Jesus did that. Jesus healed here. In this book, we, we gain a, a deeper meaning as to why Jesus does what he does. And you may ask, why is it important for a church in the 21st century to walk through the Gospel of John? Why is that still important? How come we don't do something cool like Revelation or something else? Well, it's important because both non-Christians and Christians, they need the Bible, both. See, we tend to think that the gospel is for, is, is for non-Christians. But see, the thing is, is that the gospel is not only for non-Christians, but it's also, and it must be, a daily reminder for Christians. That's why it is the responsibility of the preacher to have the gospel 
presented explicitly, implicitly, every single Sunday. Because we need to be reminded of who we are and we need to be reminded of who God is. See, first, we are told by the Bible that the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That's Romans 1, 16. In other words, it is in the gospel, or it is the gospel that has the power to enlighten us to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. See, we, we don't get that anywhere else. We don't get that by just watching somebody. We don't get that just by osmosis, putting our heads on a Bible and sleeping on it. We, we don't get that. We don't get that through a movie, just a movie itself, through a song in itself. You see, these things that I mentioned are, are good and godly, but in order for it to reach our minds and change our hearts, it must be His Word. The gospel has the power to save, and it has the power to enlighten us to saving faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus is the way. Well, if Jesus is the way, the gospel is the sign that points us to the way. We've all taken trips, and along these trips, we're either guided by signs on the road, or we're guided by a GPS. Something is guiding us along the way. The gospel points us to the way, the only way, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Secondly, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. That's the very next verse, Romans 1.17. You see, God not only uses the gospel to revive our dead souls, but he also nourishes us back to health with it. It is what we feed on. It is what we gain our strength with. And he also sets us on a straight and steady path back to him with the gospel. And that is why the gospel is not only needed for unbelievers, but also for believers. Because believe it or not, those who are Christians, we tend to lose our sense of direction at times. It happens to the best of us. We forget what we are called to do or we ignore it we try to rebel and we need to be pointed back to christ so being reminded of who jesus is he's the son of god he is the savior of the world it is extremely important for the 21st century church and verses one through five here are, are profound when it comes to our understanding of christ they bring us back to the beginning of all things they tell us who is Lord over us. They tell us who made us and why. And they also tell us who in the end will be victorious. You see, in our passage today, we come to know that Jesus Christ, that he is creator, he is savior, and he is the sustainer of our lives. Let me repeat that. That's our sermon summary for today. Jesus Christ is the creator, savior, and sustainer of our lives. And we, we get that from verses 1 through 5. Very first one, very first verse, in verse 1, we see that Jesus is Lord over us. It says that the word was God. The gospel of John is the only gospel account that starts by taking us back all the way to the beginning of creation. 
If you would go, you don't have to, but if you would go back to Genesis 1-1, you would see that it says, in the beginning. And then we sit here and we look at John chapter 1, it starts off, in the beginning. It is a direct reference to Genesis 1-1. Let me read for you verses, Genesis 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. See, what's so awesome about this is that in, cre in the creation account, we are told of the works of first God. God, we see in verse 1, does the creating. Then we see the Spirit and the Spirit is hovering over the face of the waters. And then we see the Word of God. And the Word of God brings things into existence. God said, let there be light. And then the Bible says, there was light. First of all, we need to really pay attention to the awesomeness and the powerfulness of God in His Word. God didn't have to conjure up anything. He just said, let there be light, and light shone forth. And we are told that that is Jesus. Not the light itself, even though he is called the light, but the word that is spoken is Jesus. And John begins the letter by placing Jesus among the three persons of the Holy Trinity. As I told you, his goal was to show us that Jesus was not only a man, but that he was the Son of God. And right away, he wasted no time doing that. Right away, he places Jesus amongst the Trinity. You know, there are certain special times in my life that I remember getting an introduction. We, we remember that because we don't always get an introduction, right? not every single day that you know I come up here and they say well Pastor Ricky is here to preach today and everybody gets up and claps or may want to start doing that brother Laramie yeah <laughs> but there are special times I remember graduation we all remember that we get an introduction right we walk across the stage they, they say our name it's a pretty proud moment in our lives maybe the first time we ever get an introduction like that the best day of my wife's life the day she married me we get an introduction <laughs> right amen we get an introduction and we walk across the room it's the first day that we are a couple Mr. and Mrs. Ricky Garcia wonderful introduction always we'll remember that another one was the day that I was called to pastor here it's the first and last day that the whole church clapped for me. <laughs> Just joking. But it was cool. It was for the first time. For the first time, here's the first sermon, Pastor Ricky. And everybody was excited, clapping. And I remember those introductions. And, and you have your own. You have your own when, when you were introduced. But the reason why I bring up those things is that I cannot give an example, nor can you. None of those moments 
or any moment whatsoever in our personal life compares to the introduction that Christ received in verses 1 through 5. And, and I can extend that. I can go through 1 through 18. There is no introduction like that. We'll never see it. You see, the best we can accomplish, you and I, is limited by time and space. I have to sum up my whole existence to a measly 41 years of life. That's as far as I can go back. And at best, there is no one in this room that can go beyond 90 years. We are limited by time, by space, and a whole lot more. But Christ... He is outside of time and space. And this is really cool that, that John, the only reference point that John could point to was the beginning of time because that's all we know. But Christ was beyond that. He was before that. But John and his limited knowledge, he, he starts from the beginning because that's where, that's as far as he can go. That's as far as we can go. And he says, Christ was there. Why? Because Christ always is. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. See, this passage tells us that Christ was not only the Word in creation, but that He was with God. And furthermore, He is God. And what John is saying is that the Word spoken in creation, that is Christ. It is Jesus, and Jesus is God. The people that John was writing to, they may have only understood Jesus as a man, but John went all the way back to the very beginning of time and said Christ was there. In fact, he's always been there. He is the great I am. And he is God in the flesh. He reveals to them that Jesus was God in the flesh, that the, the man who taught them, the man who they saw, the man who, who walked along them was not just Amen, but that he was God. That was something important for these people to understand and very important for us to understand as a church. Jesus, who died on the cross, who rose from the grave, who ascended into heaven, he is Lord over us. And we were created, we were created for the glory of he who is Lord over us. You and I were created to glorify Him, and that's what we see in verse 3. It says that all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. You see, you and I were, not only is Jesus Lord, Lord over us, but because He is Lord over us, we must recognize that you and I were created for the glory of the Son. See, there are many who wander through life and they're trying to figure out who they're supposed to be. And when we really sit down and think about it, it sounds like a funny thing to do, but 
all of us have done it at one point or another. I remember spending years trying to figure out who I was supposed to be. I did this in a vacuum outside of scripture. I did this outside of the church. I did this with my own, just, just my own simple mind, trying to figure out what am I supposed to do in this life? And it wasn't until the Lord saved me and gave me conviction and showed me the word and put people around me to teach me that the purpose in my life was present all along. And it's not found in me and what I do, but in whom I worship and in whom I serve. My kids get a kick out of this, but I myself have been many things. If we're going to categorize ourselves and the different things that we've done in our life, I've, I've been an athlete, I've been a student, I've been a corrections officer, I, I've been an EMS specialist, I've been a firefighter, I, I've been a health and safety specialist, a health and safety manager, I've been a husband, a father, a youth pastor, an associate pastor, and I've been a senior pastor. None of these things, none of these things in themselves reveal who I truly am. You see, but that's what we go after. We go after designations, we go after titles, we go after positions, we go after whatever it is. We go after those things trying to define ourselves. But all along, Scripture is pointing us to Christ. And Scripture tells us, the Gospel tells us, that Jesus, the Son of God, that He is Lord over us. And there are implications because of that. Because He is Lord over us, that means that our lives belong to Him, that we were created for His glory. So then when we start to try to figure out what our purpose is, we cannot find our purpose outside of Christ. Our purpose in life is found in Him. Our purpose in life is not found in anything or anyone we can be here on this earth. It is found in Him. My true essence and the one thing that touches every aspect of my life is that I am a Christian. See, the same is true for you. We find our worth only in Christ. The Bible says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, John chapter 1 says all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. And then he goes on and he says, in him was life and the life was the light of men. See, this is John's point in verses 3 through 4. All things were made for him, speaking of Christ, through him and to him so Christ is present in creation he is there he is part of the Godhead he is the son of God 
And John is saying he is God in the flesh and he is the spoken word. All things were made from him, through him, and to him. We are the workmanship of God made through Christ for good works. That is our purpose. If you're wondering today what my purpose is, your purpose, your purpose is to glorify the Son whom you were made through and who you're made for. That, that's our purpose. And we all do that in different capacities. We could, we could label them callings, but they're just different capacities. God sends us out, and, and we're, we all do different things on different days. Some of us, we all hold different jobs. We all have different gifts. But we all have the same purpose, and that purpose is found in Christ, who is Lord over us. Everything that was made was made through Christ, including every living thing that has died, that lives now, or that will live in the future. So when you come to think about it, what John is really saying here is that Christ is the reason for our existence. So listen very carefully to me, what I'm about to say. When you call yourself a Christian, that's not only indicative of what you believe, but that is who you truly are. That is your essence. You're a Christian first and foremost. Everything else comes after that. It is who you really are. It communicates whom you serve. It communicates who is Lord over you. The Bible says in him we live and move and we have our being. You see, he is the source of our life and he is the reason why we live. Our purpose is found in him and that's what John is really highlighting here in these first five verses that he should be our purpose well let me ask you this morning what is your purpose or what has your purpose been in life if you are a Christian has, has, does everything in your life center around Christ if it does then you have a godly purpose and, and, and God is bearing fruit through your life see the problem is many times though is that we think ourselves a Christian but really Christ is not the center of our lives rather we are the center of our lives but the Bible calls us to worship Christ in spirit and in truth. Anything else is idolatry. And we need to recognize that we need to make sure that we ourselves are not the center of our lives, that everything we do is only for our own good or for our own purpose or our own advancement. We were not created for ourselves. We were created for Christ. I love to see stories when someone is rescued by someone else and, and uh, some time passes and they're given some, 
some, uh, an opportunity to come together. And, and I, always, I always find it heartfelt, the reaction of, of the one who was saved, trying to thank the one who saved them. And, and when, it's, when you see that happen, there's really no words to say because they're overwhelmed by the fact that they could be physically dead, but yet this person stepped in and helped them. And it's just really emotional. And sometimes, I mean, it's, it goes beyond emotional. They feel guilt. Like they don't have enough to repay them, to thank them for what they've done. All they can do is a, is a hug and, and, and a sense of gratification. There's just really no words. There's no deeds that can thank that person enough. There's no deed that can thank the rescuer enough. Well, the Bible says that we were dead in our sins. And that Christ saved us. He saved us. So what is our response to the one who rescued us from death and brought us to life? See, what is our response to the one who causes us to live, to move, and to have our being? What is our response today? Verse 5 is really encouraging too. John ends this section of passage with verse 5, and, and verse 5 is it's just extremely powerful. He talks about the light, how the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See, today we sit here on Easter Sunday and we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. But there's, there's one glaring problem. And we can all recognize it this morning. We all live in a fallen world. That's, that's the glaring problem that we face. Our world is stained with sin, and it stains our life as well. If you're anything like me, even this morning, you've already had to deal with sin. <laughs> Every single Sunday, we all deal with it. Just getting ready for church is an adventure sometimes. Parents with little kids, can I get an amen? amen? Yeah. It is a difficult thing. And in the midst of getting ready for church and on the way up here, there are some things that go on that you really don't want to go on, but yet they go on. Not only on a Sunday, but any day. Arguing back and forth, yelling at each other, all these different things. That's a small example. But we, our lives are stained with sin. We have indwelling sin in us. We have to deal with it. We are sheep waiting to be fully clean. But while we occupy this fallen world, we struggle against the curses of the fall of man. In other words, we suffer, we have trouble, and it's a burden to us. You see, the Christian doesn't like sin. The Christian doesn't like to sin. For the Christian, sin is a burden because he has the Spirit of God living in him. 
And even though he commits sin, it convicts, the Spirit convicts him. He hates sin and he has learned to love what God loves. And that's why it is a burden to us. But as we reflect on the empty tomb today, in the light of our current condition, yes, we must confess that we have sins, that we have struggles, that we have inadequacies, and that we have fears. Those things are very real. We can't shoo those things away. There are some that say if you have enough faith, you can shoo away sin. You can shoo away struggles, just like you shoo away a, an animal. That you have the power to lock and unlock, and you all have all these different things. The thing is, and the truth is, is that we cannot get these things away from us because of sin. So, yes, we have struggle. We have trouble. Yes, and they are burdens to us. We are inadequate. We have fears. And we must understand that these things, they're not okay. We cannot make excuses that, well, we're, we're only human, so we're going to do these things. As I said, the Christian hates sin. These things are not okay, but yet we deal with them. The only reason and the only way we can deal with them is that we have to understand that Christ is sufficient for all these things. John 1.5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's why we're here today. That's why we celebrate today. Yes, he is Lord over us. Yes, our lives should be dedicated to him. And in the midst of that, there's always hope because even though there's darkness, it will never overtake the light. And that is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Here, darkness and lights and, and light are representative of what is evil, darkness, and what is holy, light. Darkness equals the current condition of sin and its consequences. And we have to confess that when we look at the world before us and we see sin in ourselves, we must admit that darkness is dark. It is really dark. But it has not overcome the light. That will always be true. Christ has not abandoned us in fact, today we are reminded that he rose from the grave, he ascended into heaven, and he lives for us. Christ is more than a glimmer of hope. You see, because sometimes, I think when people read John 1 5, they see they, they read it, and it says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, I really think about what kind of perspective you have on that verse. You see it different way. You see it illustrated a different way. I think some people see this, this really dark tunnel. At the very end, there's this little light. 
You ever walk through a very dark tunnel? At the, the only way you know that there is an end to it, you can see this little light. And it looks like a, like a pin, like the head of a pin. And it's just real small light. And as we're walking through, it's so dark, you can't see anything. You can't see in front of you. But I do not think that's what our perspective should be. See, Christ is more than a glimmer of hope. The Bible says that he is the radiant light that gives true life to all men, and the darkness will never overcome it. Christ is not that that little light at the end of the tunnel, but rather, if we are going to put it in a way we can understand it, he is the sun that shines at noon on us. It's everywhere, and the darkness will never overcome it. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, we don't have victory in that little light, in that very end of the tunnel, we have victory through the light that shines throughout all generations and all his people. He is the light that repels the darkness when it comes to sin. See, we have to understand that sin comes in, we have to deal with sin in two different, two different ways. First of all, our own personal sin. We cannot forget about that. Let's not stop talking about that. It's not always pleasant to talk about sin, but it's necessary. The moment a church stops talking about sin is the moment that, that it's no longer a church. See, we need to recognize that we are sinful and that's why we are so thankful to our creator and whom we were made for. He died for us. He died to pay the penalty of our sin. And that's why we are here and that's why we worship him. But he is the light that repels it. He repels it and, and the darkness and, and the sin that comes with it. He has provided a way out, the Bible says. He gives us strength And he supplies us with faith so that we will not sin. But also, the second part of that are the consequences of sin as a whole in general. I talked to you about the fallen world that we live in. We know that our, our, our first parents died They sinned and they died, Adam and Eve, and sin entered the world and therefore the world was cursed and we're all living under this curse. But yes, even then, Jesus, the light, is the light that swallows up the darkness even when it comes to the consequences of sin. What do I mean by that? Well, there's darkness that we see every day there is darkness that we experience every day. But John 1.5 says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Listen, this is the hope that we have. If I'm going to present you with the gospel, I have to present you with the hope of the gospel. Darkness, darkness does not overcome us. Because we belong to the light. And that is true in everything that we face. The problem is 
we don't, some, we don't recognize that sometimes. As I said, there are many things that are dark in this world. Sickness is a darkness. Cancer is a darkness. Heart disease, any kind of chronic sickness, acute sickness, anything, it is a darkness. And it's a real darkness. We cannot escape it. We have to deal with different things. We have to deal with sicknesses. And we have to live here in the light of our sicknesses. We, we have to live here and go on and press on. Well, how do we do that? Well, even though we are sick and maybe we're just barely hanging on, we have to understand that that darkness called sickness will never overcome the light. Never. Because that sickness may ravage our body on this side of heaven, but God has promised and given us hope on the other side of heaven. And then there's death. Death is a darkness. It's a darkness that we all face. And we've all been touched by it. I'm reminded this morning as I'm sitting there, I, I, I think and I'm, I'm thinking about my mother and I'm thinking it's been 15 years since he's passed. It's passed by like that. And I, I think about those days, especially on, on, on Easter, birthdays, Christmas, all those different things. And I'm reminded about that darkness today. I'm reminded about that darkness when I think about our son, Jude, who passed. I'm reminded about that darkness when I think about Abraham, who was a member of our church and so young, and he passed. I can go on and on and on about the darkness that we see in death and the pain that we feel when we lose a loved one. J.V. Helms, who was a preacher in this area for years and years and years, they just buried him on Friday. There it is again, a reminder of the darkness of death. But you know what? The darkness will never overcome the light. We are given that promise in Christ that even though we face physical death, spiritual death is not for those who believe. There are other things too, job loss, trouble in marriage, trouble with your family, your kids, all these things, they're darkness. But Christian, listen to me very carefully. Do not lose heart. Do not lose hope. The darkness you face is temporary and it's, it's fleeting. And it compares nothing to the glory that Christ has reserved for you in heaven with him. So the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. We have something to celebrate. Jesus is Lord over us. Our purpose is found in him. And as long as we are in him and the Bible says nothing can snatch us away from him. Nothing can pull us from his hand. So as long as we are in him. 
no matter how dark the darkness gets, it will never overcome the light. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you.